Hello, today I am going to be analysing Casanova 2005. <laughs> This movie, I found it by complete and utter accident, like literally not too long ago. I don't know what kind of mood I was in. I was on Disney Plus and I just kind of like wanted something shit. So I just kind of went for this one, not thinking anything of it, of course. And I was very, very pleasantly surprised by just how crazy and actually good this movie turned out to be and I think I mean it might not be everyone's cup of tea you can't like movies everyone else likes everyone likes different movies which is okay and why I have this podcast because I'm just gonna be like movies on my mind whatever movie is tickling my fancy today I am going to obliterate and analyze and tell you why it's really good even though a lot of people don't think it's good or I mean maybe I'm lying maybe this is just not good at all but (laughs) let me get my notes my proper notes on this for Casanova. Now, Casanova, 2005, directed by Lars Hellstrom. I couldn't tell you anything about the director, I'm sorry, but I know they've done quite a lot. A lot of random stuff, it's not really like in-line stuff, it's kind of like just all over the place, and I I appreciate that. Because I mean, same. Okay, and it's starring Heath Ledger, again. Of course, I'm loving Heath Ledger at the minute, obviously, because we have 10 Things I Hate About You, which I've already done. And now we've got this one. This is in no way, nowhere coincidence. But yeah, so it's Heath Ledger, Sienna Miller, Jeremy Irons, amongst other people, because this cast is insane. We'll get into the cast later in the acting appreciation, but literally the cast in this is so good. And they work so well together. It's just, yeah. Okay. Well, let's get started. Now, I describe this for myself as kind of like a guilty pleasure, although it's not really a guilty pleasure because it's actually good, but like, it reminds me of a pantomime because we've got so many different characters. It's all very ridiculous. It's not historically accurate at all. It's just fun. It's for laughs. There's wit aplenty in this. I love, I love the dialogue in this. It's so witty and it just never gets old. It's kind of, it's quite traditional in that way. And that's, I think, why I like it. And again, if you want to see Heath Ledger at his best, now I know a lot of people, like, this is a little bit controversial, me saying this, but everyone remembers him for his role that is in The Joker and, you know, all, like, kind of dark roles. But I think Heath Ledger's best is sometimes the opposite of that. Like, like, if you, you know, were showing someone stuff that Heath Ledger's been in before for the first time... I don't know why this movie isn't going to be top of the list because this is literally some of his best work in this movie and it just feels like people didn't appreciate this movie that much at the time and I believe it has some of the best acting in it but it's it's like a different kind of acting I know like at the minute and currently and just how award shows work and everything it's all about like who can go the furthest who can dedicate themselves to the role so that they become their character they live as their character but again these characters are usually like really really dark characters characters going through traumatic stuff and I know that that's really hard to replicate a lot of mental strength goes into that and that's admirable of course but a lot of like it's kind of been put on that as saying that is what's good and then say if you're like a a comedic actor 
you're kind of not given the same weight as someone who's very serious and is like doing serious roles and doing traumatic stuff, method acting and all that stuff. Sometimes people's best isn't that they're capable of that 100% but it doesn't mean that they're enjoying it or it's difficult to say but it doesn't mean that that's aligned with who they are. I think the best acting comes out when people are aligned with who they are. Maybe the character reminds them of themselves or they find an element of themselves within the character that they're playing. And you can see that, especially if there's someone who's, you know, more famous and has kind of a persona behind them. People watch for the persona half the time anyway. So I think that it's really beautiful when that kind of thing happens, but it's not celebrated in the same way and it's not given it's not given the same weight or the same admiration as maybe if you're method acting into a really horrible awful dingy film that just is depressing (laughs) like we've all sat through those films where it's just darkness for the whole time and somehow it's supposed to make a a point but to be honest you didn't enjoy it but everyone's telling you that you should. So it's kind of a bit up in the air. It's crazy. But 100%, if you want to see Heath Ledger at his best, you have to put this movie on your list. Because, man, does he completely shine in this movie. It is totally made for him. It is for him. He was made to play this role. But again, this role isn't serious. It's comedic. It's all over the place. It's quite aloof. And I just think it's so great. I say that to every single film I'm doing here, I need to stop that, cut those so greats out, but I just really love how we see that kind of side um, of Heath Ledger and we were able to see that through this movie, it's so lovely. Okay, so we're gonna now have a summary of the movie, if you haven't seen it, and I mean, I I hadn't seen this until like not long ago at all, so if you want to go and see it, of course, go now run don't walk to disney plus for this this masterpiece of craziness go and see it if you haven't seen it but the story goes like this it basically follows the journey of giacomo casanova which you know it was a real figure in time apparently and all this stuff and you know he's this big seducer and all this craziness and whatever anyway half the things is probably not even true to be honest with you but it's Giacomo Casanova the famous libertine trying to navigate 18th century Venice as an enemy to the Catholic Church and then he basically escapes the church in whatever means necessary they basically want to imprison him but he's like go left right and center just being himself in his attempts to escape the church he then falls in love with Francesca who I've written here is a cross-dressing female icon. Yeah, so that's kind of the baseline of it. So Casanova is out here being Casanova, sleeping around, doing whatever he ca- whatever he wants. And then out of the blue, he actually falls in love with someone. So this is very much a comedic film and it just makes fun of that whole story. And makes fun of the name Casanova I feel because it's revealed at the end spoiler alerts that well it's kind of given this 
enigma personality at the end where he passes the Casanova name on because the whole film is about mistaken identity in its most crazy form. People taking on each other's names, people dressing up as other people, like it's just very crazy and at the end it's realised that maybe Casanova isn't just that guy, maybe he's just been given a bad name and now he can pass that name on and people can use it. So that's kind of what happens at the end of it. So it's a bit It's not serious at all. I feel like if you came to that movie for an historical biography of Giacomo Casanova, you will not get it. It's a joke. And I was reading the IMDb reviews and I think some people didn't get that. I think they thought it was going to be some sort of like drama when it's not. (laughs) It's more correct. It's just all over the place. But also in the same year, I think it was, or a few years different, there was other kind of projects about the Casanova figure like I think there was like a mini series on the BBC where David Tennant played Casanova and then I think there was also another movie and I don't quote me because I just read this but where it was like Casanova but like another point in his life so there were other projects going on at the time about the figure but I think they were more like fact-based this is kind of it's just for laughs you know let's go into the story my first point is about mistaken identity and how it's used so greatly in this film but it's not used for laughs it's actually the things in this film aren't often used for just comedic effect they're also used to make a point and I think the point is very subtle because on the whole when you see this movie this is a great Friday night movie like if you come home you're like oh my god I want to watch something that's kind of uplifting a little bit funny what am I going to watch and this is your answer You put this on to have a good time and then that's it. But I think as well there are points in this film that I like to explore and just kind of break it down because this isn't just funny. There is like points to be made here. Although the points can be a little bit ridiculous sometimes. This is all about impersonation, theatre. Like I love to think that this is about theatre. There's so many things going on this. Casanova's mother is in fact an actress and actually leaves him for to, to be an actress as well so there's a lot of theatre going on here there's a lot of like changing roles and that even makes it even more hilarious because it's telling you that none of this is real like people are putting up these fronts but they're literally pointless but they're acting like they're their whole livelihoods so he ends up having to impersonate Francesca's fiance so he basically Casanova So he's already engaged to someone else because he decides, right, I need to change my life, let's settle down. So he goes to this person's house and because he's so famous and everyone knows him, he tries to persuade this man to let him marry his daughter and apparently she is the biggest virgin in the world, which is why she's so valuable, but he's just so bored. So he just goes, right, okay, I'm choosing her. Doesn't really know her, but just goes, yeah, I'll marry her. So that happens like at the start of the film and that's just kind of a random thing that happens. So whilst this is going on, he goes about his daily life again, you know, preparing that maybe maybe he's going to get married. Crazy. Oh my God. And then there's this this other woman who comes in. Francesca, we're calling her. That's her name. And she is so unconventional. She impersonates a man in the university in order to show some science stuff like she's a scientist and all this stuff and also a philosopher at the same time it's very crazy 
But anyway, she impersonates men to get into men things, to make her points and for them to believe her. And then she just comes home and writes under a nom de plume about philosophy and about women and it sells like crazy because apparently a man wrote it. So she's a bit of a girl boss, she's going around doing a thing and basically her brother, who's played by Charlie Cox, Giovanni, he really fancies this big virgin, Casanova's fiance he fancies her and he's always fancied her and he's like I'm gonna marry her what are you doing with my woman you're gonna marry her she's mine I don't understand so Casanova's like oh my god what what who did this guy think he is but the end of it happens that Giovanni Giovanni chickens out the fight and Francesca ends up fighting for him this is where Casanova and Francesca meet they're like having a sword fight classic and then it's revealed that she stepped in for her brother so that's where he meets her and he meets her very unexpectedly and then all of a sudden he's like, this this woman, she's not like normal girls. <laughs> and he finds her very fascinating because she's kind of mysterious. She has, you know, she's just sword fight. She's a woman in the 18th century and she's out here fighting for her brother who chickened out. Well, he's an awful sword fighter so she decided to step in. And then she like goes away and she does mysterious things. Casanova and his best buddy Lupo go and follow her around everywhere. We see parts of her life in like little segments and they completely misinterpret it. Again, this whole mistaken identity thing, this whole miscommunication thing is all over this film. Anyway, she's already engaged to this random man in order for their family to have money because they don't have a man in the family because the dad died or something. So she's apparently going to be married to this salami business owner. (laughs) who is very, is non-conventionally attractive. He's quite a big guy and yeah, he's not a looker and she's engaged to him. She's never seen him though, but she does believe in love and that's the difference between Francesca and Casanova. They both view, they both view like love and relationships in completely different ways due to how they've been brought up, due to how society is working at the time. So, he then decides to impersonate her fiance because he fancies her. And he turns up to her house and goes, I have been your fiance the entire time. Because back in the day, you don't have a phone, you don't have any pictures, so they just take advantage of that. And they completely believe him. And he does meet up with the supposed fiance, the actual guy. And they like keep him occupied whilst he goes and sees Francesca for him. <laughs> And then they find all the evidence of like letters and things like that and they use it and go, I'm him. I've been him the entire time. How did you not know? So they believe him naturally. And then he ends up living in a way where he's like three different people at the same time. Like he also takes on his, his, what are they they called? Like best buddies? (laughs) I don't know. He's like his friend's name as well. He takes on that name too. So he has, he's known by like three different names at this point. And he goes around trying to be each and every one of them like he d- he tries I don't know how he gets away with it for so long but he ends up being each and every one and it gets him out of loads of trouble I've said here that the ton the tonnage of mistaken identity and confusion really reflects Casanova's character he's quite wild and he doesn't know what he wants like that's the bottom line of him he doesn't know what he wants like he's engaged to one person but he likes another person but he doesn't believe in marriage but you know he's just all over the place And he represents youth really well because he's so wild and he just is everywhere. All at once, he's doing a million things a minute. And he is labelled a seducer. 
And this is the interesting thing about this film. When I went to watch it, I was not expecting this. I was expecting... I don't even know. I expecting something more dramatic and more, like, male gazy, you know. Maybe, like... He is labelled a seducer, and I think that that kind of... That word, that idea of someone in a man comes across quite narcissistic and manipulative and I actually thought my first impressions of going into this was that he was going to play like a narcissistic manipulative male seducer but no 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 no. he is labeled a seducer but he's only labeled that by other men and a lot of the time it's by the catholic church uh, who are trying to capture him but yeah, he seems to be labelled that by men. Like, that's it. The women don't ever refer to him in that way. They don't seem to have too many issues with him, to be honest. But in order to, quote, protect women, these men are calling him, like, a seducer. He's sent from the devil. He's crazy. He's out of control. He's dangerous. When actually, we see everything through him, with him. He's not. He's very human. And he's just young. Well, yeah. I don't know how old he is, actually. But he seems to be quite young and quite all over the place. And I, t- to be honest with you, I think a lot of the men of the Catholic Church who are trying to capture him are jealous of him. <laughs> they wish they were so charismatic. Because that is one word that Casanova is. Charismatic. And I think the men in the film are just so jealous of how he's like that, but without intending to be like that. I think that that's quite cool they take like a seducer a notorious man and they turn him into a likable character because we see at the beginning of the film like his mother left him and all this stuff so it's kind of given a little bit of a loose psychological reason as to why he is so crazy and it's accepted and it actually does work a little bit so no questions have been asked about that like that is that's why he's acting the way he acts He's just human, he's just damaged. He's just reflecting his trauma onto the world. And like I've said here, the real element is that we all love people that we can't. There is nothing more attractive than an emotionally unavailable man. And Casanova is 100% that. And that's what makes him so irresistible in this movie. (laughs) And so popular as well. He doesn't really intend for any of this to happen to him. It just kind of does, because this is the way his trauma is reflecting back onto him. And I mean, is it such a bad thing? So another point that I was going to make as well is a masculine and feminine binaries in terms of the characters and what they represent and how in courtship and in love and in people chasing after each other, it often varies. I've said here as well that Francesca is a very masculine character for a love interest, you know, we actually see her dressed as a man. She has a male nom de plume. She takes on the role of a man a lot in her life. So that makes her quite masculine to be able to do that and to be believable to other men. She's active in her pursuit. She's ambitious. But then I wanted to say as well that there's something kind of feminine about Casanova's character. So if we say that Francesca is is masculine, I think the characters do kind of give and take with that masculine feminine energy. But if we look at it like... Francesca being masculine and then Casanova being kind of feminine and the reason behind this is so I'm going to use Robert Greene's archetypes of seduction for this 
and I think it's quite on topic because Casanova's character and Casanova's legend is kind of it's kind of like classic seduction like the things that he did make him irresistible he pushes pulls he pulls away he comes back it's very seductive to people and I think using Robert Greene's archetypes we can kind of break that down and I think in writing the movie they use these archetypes to make him Casanova. So I've said here that he is he's a rake he uses words to seduce and he also says promises that he can't keep. He is has a way with words. I think that is definitely something that they say in the movie. Though many, like, <laughs> he gives out, like, advice where he's like, be the flame, not the moth. Like, things like that. Just random. It's kind of, like, not even called for, but he just kind of gives out some random words of wisdom from his seduction. Yeah. Okay. So he's got a way with words. And he also says promises that he can't keep, especially when he's changing roles. Um, You know, he says, I'm going to marry her. You're engaged to me. We are going to be married. Do they get married? No, he doesn't marry Victoria, who is the first... (laughs) The first woman, who is the woman that he... The famous virgin, Victoria, he doesn't marry, but he says he's going to. So 100%, that's rake behaviour. Also, he's good at influencing women's repressed sexuality. And part of that comes from the fact that he actually respects women. So this is another interesting thing, is that a rake character, a rake archetype, is someone that takes the repressed versions of somebody and kind of makes it real. They feed off people's repressed dreams, repressed behaviours that they can't express in normal society. They find those and they use them to make themselves seem more resistible to their victim. And that is something that Casanova's character very famously does in the fact that we're in the Catholic Church-controlled Italy in the 18th century. So women can basically do nothing and we see through Francesca that she actually has to become a man in order to do anything she wants and we see the women that he's, that Casanova seduces. They're, they're nuns. The, fir- the first time we see him is he's with a nun. He slept with all the nuns in the nunnery. So 100% he's able to take that repressed desire and and then use it. And yeah, that's 100% rake behaviour. These women are literally repressed and controlled by the Catholic Church, and they do not allow them to have agency as well as sexuality or any of that, because they're just women that need protecting and exploiting. Trigger warning, this is a movie, it's not real. Okay, another thing, and this was more on the feminine side of him, I also described him as a dandy, and a dandy is someone who can kind of be a bit androgynous in the fact that they can express feminine energy, but then they can also express masculine energy, and they can do that, you know, whenever it suits them. So in order to attract a woman, they exhibit feminine qualities, and it's obviously the same for the other gender. So it's kind of like being able to tap into that. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. So, with the feminine traits, I think he can be quite emotional as a character. You know, we see at the beginning that his mother left him. His mother left him when he was young, so, you know, he's got some trauma and he hasn't worked through that and that is why he expresses himself in the way that he does and I think that that, the fact that we know that makes him vulnerable and, again, makes him particularly more feminine in terms of having that 
shown to us. Also, he's very quick to admire women. Like, he literally sees someone and goes, yep, for me. And he's not afraid to express that. Like, he runs into this and then goes, oh, I am in love with you. Or, oh, and then he does some poetry or something. But, like, he's not afraid to show that to other people. And he's not afraid to fall so quickly in love. Which, again, is quite a feminine thing in the fact that, you know, he's maybe not using his brain, which would be more masculine. And that is something that Francesca does. That's why she doesn't like him to start off with in the fact that she knows, well, she doesn't know he's Casanova to start with. As soon as she does know, she's 100% out. (laughs) Well, they get together in the end, but you know, she uses her brain first and that's not something Casanova does. So that makes him a little bit more feminine. You know, he reads poetry He can be quite poetic. He says a lot of things just kind of out of the blue that are a bit more emotional and emotionally charged. And then also the mummy issues. Like if we, if we go kind of Oedipal here, which unfortunately I am getting, uh, Helen McCrory played his mother and she's not in it for very long, but she is a big part of his character. So if we're getting Oedipal, 100%, there's some mummy issues there. He, that's why he acts out in the way he does and the way that he's kind of obsessed with women is because his own mother just left him. So he's got a lot of, a lot of issues to deal with there. And that's why he falls for everyone he meets because he just needs that nurturing femininity. Now I'm going to talk about the setting. I love like the Venice setting. Like it's just, it just works amazingly well it's kind of yellowy sunset look to the shots that i think really make like romanticizes the era of course we shouldn't romanticize it but and this you know 100 percent. this is a romanticized telling this isn't this isn't drama if this was drama like drama real then we'd be a bit darker we'd be a bit you know not as happy but everything seems quite joyful And that's how we know that in the end, everything's going to work out. Everything's going to be fine because this is just a funny, nice movie. And the intentions of it are quite fairytale-like in the terms that, you know, we get this, we get a lot of yellows, we get a lot of like gold colours and blue and white. It's just all very nice. They're not bad colours. And I'm just going to talk now about like the, the bishop. I know, what's his name? His name's Poochie. And he's like the guy who comes in to control all of the religion guy he wears bright purple like okay guys he thinks he's the bomb wearing that bright purple but it's just so ridiculous and camp compared to the setting and everything so again the colors are quite poppy and they really work and they're quite happy and that's how we know that this is romanticized and not real and just all happy fairy tale like happy happily ever after which there is so now i'm going to move on to the church now the catholic church is definitely the butt of the jokes here completely and utterly they make fun of it they it become it literally is the source of the wit i've got some quotes here <laughs> yeah we'll get into those as well and then yeah literally the ideology of the catholic church is used for humor of the time of course we've got like the sinuation that women can be witches that women's sexuality is non-existent and it must be the cause of the devil if it is and that proudly exerting your daughter's status as a virgin is a good thing and the presumption that people want to be married to one person forever and that's the rule and that's it and these things 
create the stru- what should be the structure of this world and of society when actually it's just a load of rubbish. It's completely and utterly broken down in this movie and as well it got here that the religion is sacred and totally just isn't men in costumes play acting because at the end the acting troupe that Casanova's mother is in ends up impersonating the bishop in order for Casanova and Francesca to escape being hanged so it is just ridiculous and they literally they literally appear like it and people believe them and they say like ridiculous things like he comes in and says no hangings today do you know why because it's the pope's birthday so they literally make it all up the it's the pope's birthday today and then they all go is it i didn't know it was the pope's birthday but they believe what he says and then he goes yeah so no hangings today so cancel it we'll go home now so yeah anyway they do get caught out because the real bishop comes after but he looks basically exactly the same (laughs) which again is the point that is this just a load of men in fancy costumes making up the rules just a side note I mean the cardinal when I talk about the bishop here. I just keep saying bishop and I actually just mean the cardinal. But I can't be bothered to change it all, so it's the cardinal, not the bishop. So yeah, that links nicely to what Casanova represents in terms of that at the end he is a enigma that is passed around and worn by other people um, and the role is taken on and then it's put off you know it's it's moved around it's very fluid and it's not necessarily real and serious so i also have some questions about that you know if casanova the enigma is passed around and what he represents in terms of being sleeping around being a libertine being crazy all that kind of thing does that make him legendary should he be legendary for that did he really exist and obviously he is based on a real person but did that person really exist the way he existed like is it just a load of rubbish? And does that facade make him good or bad? Like, is that a good thing to be remembered by or a bad thing to be remembered by? Or should it not matter? Because in some people's eyes, he's seen as a villain, but in others, he's the hero. So it's, yeah, it's a bit all over the place. And does that make you a good or a bad person? And then can this, holding this position as Casanova, which Charlie Cox's character Giovanni does in the end after after going to a brothel, <laughs> honestly it's ridiculous, after going to a brothel and being newly awakened, he then decides that he's ready to take on the Casanova name and Casanova's like, yeah, I don't want it anymore, you can have it. So he happily takes it, but can that position and can that kind of behaviour make you morally corrupted like can that make you a bad person is there a line that you can't cross or a line you can cross you know what what is that or is that name or that position just an outlet for sexuality in a time when it was controlled which 100 percent, yes having that name allows you to like forget who you are and just do what you want in a time when a lot of people could not just do that and then so in that way could that kind of behavior in that situation and context be healthy or not again it's up to a personal interpretation of how you'd see that and some people would say no and some people would say yes and some people would be in between but it's an interesting concept and this film plays around with it really well so oh yeah i was all going to talk about the catholic church i'm going to talk about some more of that so the bishop no he's not he's not a bishop i don't know i don't even know his name's poochie 
Jeremy Irons plays Poochie, who is, again, like this religious leader who comes in to kind of control the religion and the people in Venice. After the last one didn't really do anything, so he got mad and decided that he's going to capture Casanova for himself because that kind of behaviour should not be allowed in the Catholic Church. So these are some of his quotes that I think are really funny. So he said, a massive amount of fornication can lead to confusion. So again, he's preaching these ideologies out that mm, aren't necessarily true. Oh yeah, my favourite is Victoria, who Casanova was originally supposed to marry, the famous virgin of Venice. Basically, she gets jealous. She's seen Casanova with someone else. Someone that is not her, which means that the wedding is probably not going to happen. And also, as well, if he's being captured by the church... The wedding is not looking likely either. Anyway, so she gets mad, finds Poochie and goes, I've got a deal for you. She said to Poochie, what if I said that Casanova took advantage of me before I was married? What if I said that? And he was like, that's exactly what I need to hang him. And she's like, of course, I'll say that. But my honour, don't forget my honour. Everyone knows me as the Virgin of Venice. What are they going to think of me? And he's like, oh, I see. Don't you worry. I can return your reputation as well as your virginity back to you. And she's like, can the church do that? And he says, yes, the Catholic Church can do anything. So she lies, is prepared to say it in court if her honour can be returned to her, And of course, because the Catholic Church can do that in Venice here, it's all nicely sorted uh, for Casanova's demise. So that is kind of the ideology of the church that's chasing Casanova. And I think it's just hilarious. I love how I just put a side note here. Also, the Doge, played by Tim McKinney, is in love with Casanova. I believe that he is in love with Casanova. Now, again, it's so fun, this script. There are so many things you can play with it. But basically, the Doge helps Casanova. Now, apparently they're old friends, or to be honest, I don't even know, they're cousins. Oh no, what if they're cousins? I don't know. But I'm just getting the vibes that he's in love with him. Like, he's obsessed. Like, the only reason that Casanova's been able to kind of go for so long is because of the Doge. And that's his ultimatum to him. It's, do you want to you know, get married and then I can get them off your back. So yeah, he's trying to beg him to come form and all this stuff. But I'm just getting getting to the point where if you're helping him that much, you know, what's in it for you? Are you like in love with him or something? Just think that's a funny little side note. And it, if it is, it's completely in the subtext and absolutely hilarious. And again, works with the whole point of the film, you know, repressed desires. The structure of the church and the society just crumbles because who cares? So, again, this is why this movie is so fun and just, there's so much freedom within the movie. And then I've also got a random point as well here, that there's a roof scene. So I think it's at the beginning when Casanova's caught with the nun. He goes on the run because he's going to be caught. He's already being caught. He will be caught again. So he runs along the roof and this totally reminds me of Vertigo, Alfred Hitchcock, in 1957. Don't quote me. But anyway, there's a scene in Vertigo that's very famous and it's the beginning scene where Scotty, who's like the main guy, is when he was a policeman, he was chasing like this robber on this rooftop. 
and the robber basically escapes. Again, I may be quoting wrong, but does he escape? Yeah, I think the robber escapes and the policeman try to jump over the roof as the robber did. And he's a policeman and he ends up, he doesn't fall, but his friend falls. So he sees his friend fall and then he's like hanging on for dear life. And that's basically the root of his trauma, vertigo. Now, it just totally is a goof of that scene for me because this time we're following the criminal, we're following Casanova who gets away. One way to look at it really for me is I've studied that film before and you can look at that scene like in Freudian terms. So with the id, the superego and the and the ego and you can see the, the criminal is the id uh, which is about desire and all the repressed childishness desire that we have within us that's out of control and then we have like the ego and then we have like the superego so the ego is like i think it's like your consciousness and the superego is like morality we'll have to actually google that but anyway we want to focus on the id and the id is casanova running away and also the robber running away And Casanova is successful in his exploits and everything he does and the id represents desire and at the end of the day in this movie, desire wins. So it kind of paints it in a funny good way. Like, it's good to be a kid and to be young and to not know what you're doing and to ruin everything and make mistakes and nearly get hanged. Like, it's taken for jokes in the fact that, yeah, this is a good thing. You know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And it just destabilizes the whole of society and the whole of the structure whereas in vertigo it's quite a serious thing and scotty does not have a good time at all in terms of vertigo he's like suffering the repression of his id his desire is kind of a bit suppressed and that's kind of the representative of his vertigo and that's kind of that's kind of it whereas casanova just didn't give a fuck he's like he's the id and he's running so we're going now on to acting appreciation So I've got quite a lot to say because I love this cast. It works so well. Everybody compliments each other. It's just hilarious. And oh, so many names, so many famous people are in this movie. But anyway, these are my key players. Heath Ledger, of course, amazing Casanova. He is made for that role. He did so well. Like he just shines. Like that's just Heath Ledger. It's almost like he's playing himself. It's that good. And as well, his behaviour of Casanova, although I think if you're playing Casanova like that, if you're playing a seducer, in some parts you won't make him real because how can anybody be like that all the time? But it's weird because in this, Casanova, the character, never seems to be inconsistent. He's consistent with the way that he just is. And we get to, we, we see him, we go, oh yeah, classic, classic Giacomo. That's just what he always does. That makes him real. So his backstory and everything has kind of all been aligned and it works really well. He's charismatic, he's likeable, he's fun. And, but as well, the meaning and the reasoning and the humanness and vulnerability of the character is never lost all the way through. When you're kind of in that charismatic, big ego character, you can very easily lose the vulnerability to them and the humanness of them because obviously if you're if you're Casanova you're going to flip in love yourself but it never loses it never loses that vulnerability at its core and again that's why you want him to succeed and you want him to have a happy ending because you know 
he's just a person, he's just been making mistakes, <laughs> everybody makes mistakes, even if it means sleeping around with nuns and stuff, and getting hanged, but it's all fun and games, so yeah, 100%, this is one of his best, best roles, I'm not even lying. Next up, Omid Jijalali as Lupo, Casanova's right-hand man, he's so good, he's so funny, and I just, <laughs> he was doing great he's such a versatile actor as well he's in like so many things and he's also a comedian like i know him in the uk as a comedian and then you forget he's been in loads of like hollywood movies as well just get it i guess but as well what i love about his character is he's witty but he doesn't steal the show witty he compliments casanova's character incredibly well Heath Ledger and Omid Dajalali really complement each other. And they're two people in terms of acting, in terms of performances, that I would never ever in a million years think to put together because they're, in my head they're from different worlds. Yet in this movie, they work together so well. Like their wit just bounces. And that's so rare to get that. And it, again, it just makes this movie even better. The relationship between them feels really real. It feels like they've known each other forever. They've been through thick and thin. Like, that's the kind of bro story we've got. And they just, yeah, they complement each other so well. I think that he's one of the best things about the film. Also, I'm going to put honourable mentions here for Natalie Dormer and Charlie Cox. Uh, Natalie Dormer, apparently this was her debut, which is amazing. Oh, I just kicked something which is great she plays victoria which is the really really honorable honored virgin of the town and a lot of her scenes she doesn't say that much they don't shy away from the fact that you know her dad has controlled her completely and utterly to the point where she is out of control there is so much desire within her she can't control herself she's snapping bird cages but like with in terms of her performance with that kind of behaviour is quite physical and and Natalie Dormer does really well in the fact that she doesn't have a lot of lines but her behaviour and her body language and the way she moves suggests that what she wants and she wants Casanova because she's just absolutely out of control her dad's been controlling her forever and ever she can't even think an impure thought yet she is full of them and we can see that and uh, that's just hilarious because that's the reality of that situation at the end of the day, isn't it? You can't control women like that because it just makes you not even human. And as well, I don't think... I think you can very easily make her into an unlikable, kind of more villainous character in the fact that she's so uncontrollable, she can't resist Casanova, she has to get away. Oh my god, what a stupid woman. Yet she's not... I never viewed her in that way. Because very easily, especially with these, like, these movies and everything and this topic, you could very easily make her very unlikable and very desperate. And of course she's desperate, but she's desperate for a good reason. She's been locked up in a cage her entire life and Casanova and getting married is her only chance to get out. And as well, the great part of it at the end is she does get married to Charlie Cox, is Giovanni, they don't end up together though because they're unhappy. They're people who just like to be with other people and they don't like to commit. And again, that doesn't make her a weak agency-less woman. She actually has, 
she's allowed the agency at the end. Uh, and Giovanni, although he really, really wants to marry her, does marry her and ends up not controlling her because they're both the same. I think that that was really good. And Charlie Cox says Giovanni, he's so like... Now, I know Charlie Cox now from Daredevil, but his the difference between Daredevil and Giovanni... <laughs> they are worlds apart like Giovanni he is the desperate he is the simp he is so weak-minded and quite small he's not very strong he's got long hair so he's not that desirable however he does this thing where he can't give up he does get what he wants in the end yet it isn't what he wants he ends up taking on the Casanova name and yeah, it's just ridiculous, and yeah, he's such um, a character that you you think, oh no, no, he's just a little boy, you know, he's just he's just a little bit awkward, and he thinks he wants everything, he doesn't want it, and then it ends up him being the mass seducer at the end, and again, it's ridiculous because it means that the name means absolutely nothing, and the roles that we play mean absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things, uh, and there's so much ridiculousness about that. But yeah, I loved them. Again, I put here comic innocence. They both represent characters that are younger than the rest and it's obvious that they're younger because of the way that they behave and of the way that they speak. Their energy is so much younger and is so full of full of something that needs to go somewhere, but they quite don't quite know where that's going. Again, youthful, but it's youth that contrasts Casanova and Francesca who they're young yes but they seem to have more life experience behind them it nicely contrasts the two kind of we're gonna say there are many couples in this movie but I think those two kind of the Giovanni and Victoria and Casanova and Francesca nicely contrast each other because you know they represent different energies and also not necessarily right energies and what's so brilliant and great about this film is at the start the characters seem to think they know where they're going and by the end they go in a completely and utterly different opposite way and I think that that is it's a nice metaphor to use in terms of life you end up thinking you know what you're gonna do and then actually it doesn't even happen <laughs> honestly loved it these characters all put together, they just, the layers of it, they just, layers upon layers, it just works, like, they all complement each other, and you know when you can have characters that kind of are the same character, but in a different situation, or they're very similar, and they clash, there's no clashing characters, everyone is so different in their own way, the actors have been allowed to kind of express, and work in the way that they want to work and put across energy of a character that they want to it all seems the energy seems to be the same like it's quite a level playing field in terms of people putting in the kind of the vibes that it gives off it's very difficult to describe but the whole ensemble of it does work incredibly well it's so random and so ridiculous and I think that's the funnest part about this movie it's ridiculous and I'd love to be in a movie like this because it's just peak wit and it's hilarious and utterly insane and that's what makes it so great. God, I'm, I I love this movie and 100% it's not the best movie in the book. No, 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 it's just, it's so enjoyable and that's what I love about it. It's kind of, it's kind of camp, it's kind of ridiculous, amazing. Like I say, pantomime-like, 
100%. You just go for a good time. You know, you don't go to cry. You don't go to, <laughs> you don't go to moan about people. You don't go to criticise people. You just go to have fun and realise that life is just ridiculous. So that was the end of my acting appreciation. Of course, there are many, many honourable performances in this movie and I do really love everyone in this. I think it, it works so well. But yeah, I just wanted to finish off with... I'm just going to talk about the IMDb score for this. Uh, it's 6.5 out of 10. Again, I believe it should have maybe gone a bit higher than that just because of how enjoyable this movie is. I read a lot of some of the reviews on IMDb and I think some people expected it to be like a drama, like an actual actual retelling of um, Casanova's life and they were very confused, thought it was going to be like biographical, when 100% it's not. <laughs> no, no chance. So yeah, 6.5 out of 10. Again, it, it, because it's 6.5, like I say, 7 out of 10, I'm going to give it a go. So when I saw it was 6.5 out of 10, before I saw it, I went, this ain't going to be good. And now I'm here making a podcast about it, telling you how much I love it. So IMDb reviews and IMDb ratings, do not take them to heart. Because half the time, the people who are reviewing don't know what they're talking about. And it's personal opinion. I wanted to finish off with some dialogue that I love from this movie. Because it's just so funny and witty. And I'm looking like an absolute idiot saying this. Because I'll say it and it won't even be funny. But somehow it makes me happy. I actually only have one quote. That's awful. So we're going to end with the one quote that I've got left to say. <laughs> I didn't even... I should have written more. We're going to end on the last quote. And it is... She has a secret lover. Who? I don't know. It's a secret. Thank you and goodbye. There you go. See you next time. <laughs>